Rachel, do you wear glasses or contacts? Yes, I have worn glasses and contacts since middle school. And I have many unpleasant memories <laughs> of visiting the eye doctor and like struggling really hard to read those tiny little letters. <laughs> oh. How about you, Emma? Same. Yeah, I've worn glasses since I was nine and contacts since I was 11. And I can see like maybe four inches in front of me when I don't have glasses or contacts <laughs> on. There's definitely a history of bad vision in one side of my family and even some glaucoma as well. Oh, no, I'm I'm sorry to hear that. Um, but I definitely relate to you. I don't have a history of glaucoma, but um, I definitely relate to the not being able to see <laughs> four feet in front of you. Like you try to explain it to someone and it's just like, I, you know, no, I can see shapes. I can see your face is there. It's just all blurry. <laughs> and you like um, have to take off your glasses but, to demonstrate for them to like hold a book in front of you. And you're like, yes. no, I can't see those letters. I know it's shocking, but it yes. is true. Or you give them your glasses and they get like <laughs> hypervision. <laughs> well, today's story about scientists being able to reverse glaucoma symptoms in mice is probably very interesting to you having a history of glaucoma in your family. It definitely is. So let's dive into this fascinating new study and the implications of these findings. So before we begin talking about the objectives of this study, we wanted to review some basic eye biology first. It's kind of amusing to be talking about eyes again, because one summer in college, I actually worked on a project trying to figure out the genetic cause for an eye disease found in red wolves. And we actually like took these wolves and had to knock them out and stick their heads in these optical coherence tomography machines. And like we had to sew open their eyelids to be able to do all these eye pictures. So I definitely learned a lot more about the eye than I ever thought I needed. But this is useful for the podcast today. Whoa, that is both cool and terrifying. Um, I do not think I could ever work with wolves. I do not aspire to work with anything larger than a rat. So um, kudos, kudos to you. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely was creepy Like when they started to wake up. I mean, we had a bunch of veteran oh. vets there because, I mean, my training is not at all in veterinary medicine. I was just there for the genetic yeah. side. But they were big wolves and... Looks pretty funny when they're like knocked out, but their eyes are still open because you've had to <laughs> keep their eyes open. So I um, don't have a long history of eye research, but actually I've been reading um, a lot of eye articles lately. So this paper is kind of relevant to me. <laughs> nice. Um, it, yeah, I've talked a little bit about my research before in the podcast, but um, so you probably know that I study astrocytes, which are a type of cell in the central nervous system that uh, provides support to neurons. And since you have neurons connecting your eyes to your brain, you also have astrocytes in the backs of your eyes. And astrocytes might also contribute to vision loss, but that, you know that's not what we're going to discuss today. <laughs> so to get to the point of this article, most of us know that our eyes allow us to see by the optic nerve in the back of the eye connecting all the way to the brain. And this nerve can then interpret light and color and tell the brain what we're seeing. Glaucoma encompasses several diseases that damage the optic nerves, most often due to a high amount of pressure in the eye. Our eye is very complicated, and it involves fluids that keep our eyes moist. But sometimes when these fluids are not drained properly, it can cause eye pressure to change. 
In most cases of glaucoma, this happens gradually over time, which is why it's so important to get your annual eye exam and ensure that your eyes look good, even though it's embarrassing to not be able to read the letters. (laughs) Um, But sometimes there can be glaucoma attacks that happen when the eye pressure changes very rapidly. Glaucoma is the leading cause of blindness in people who are age 60 or older. If you're, if glaucoma is in your family, like in the case of me, your likelihood of getting glaucoma can be higher. Importantly, some of the genetics behind glaucoma are understood, but it's also one of those complex diseases we talk about, where it's not just one gene that's causing glaucoma. Early on in human development, cells are considered pluripotent, and this means that the cells have not been defined as a specific kind of cell, so they're not yet a heart, eye, or brain cell, for example, but they could become any kind of those cells. The process by which cells become not just any cell, but specifically a heart cell or eye cell or brain cell, is an epigenetic process. The DNA in every one of our cells is the same, but the thing that changes from cell type to cell type is how the DNA structures are read. This is the process of epigenetics, which means that these are modifications that exist above the DNA and can tell a heart cell to produce a certain protein that an eye cell wouldn't need to produce. So it makes these cells become specialized. Scientists have wanted to do experiments on cells that are considered pluripotent, but to do this in humans, you used to have to use fetal tissue, which obviously has some ethical concerns. Pluripotent cells are those that are cells that have not had the epigenetic programming happen. So they're cells that could become a heart cell or a brain cell or an eye cell. So this is really early on in development that this happens. Back in 2012, uh, Yamanaka won the Nobel Prize by discovering how to reprogram adult cells to become pluripotent cells without having to use fetal tissue. Yamanaka added four transcription factors, which are, we know transcription factors are proteins that turn off or turn on many sets of genes. Uh, He added these four factors to an adult cell, which caused the cell to revert back to pluripotent states, so kind of like reverse cell aging. And this was exciting for many reasons. Fetal cells would not have to be used to perform pluripotent cell experiments if you can just take an adult cell and revert it back to a pluripotent state. And these kinds of cells um, we call induced pluripotent stem cells. Rachel, you've used this technique in the lab, right? Yeah, I I use uh, pluripotent stem cells to model Alexander disease in the lab. And this is really critical because in the case of Alexander disease, it affects the brain, which we can't really biopsy from patients. So pluripotent technology allows us to take blood or skin biopsies from these patients and generate pluripotent cells. And once we have those cells, we can add specific growth factors to get the cells to turn on genes and become brain cells, in my case, astrocytes. And another reason pluripotent technology is important for disease modeling is in the case of complex diseases like glaucoma or ALS, where we don't know exactly what kind of mutations cause the disease. So in this case, we can just use the patient cells, um, generate those the types of cell where you see the disease, like the eye cells, for instance, and figure out what genes or proteins are affected, how the disease develops, and what treatments might be beneficial. And it's really amazing that we're able to do this um, with this technology. And most people would be 
impossible without the discovery of those four transcription factors. These factors are often referred to as the Yamanaka factors in honor of the researcher who discovered them, Shinya Yamanaka. These transcription factors are unique because they alter the epigenetic patterns on DNA. Epigenetic patterns normally change as we age because the environment plays a huge part in determining these patterns. And over time, these epigenetic patterns can become messed up, which can lead to some cancers and also glaucoma. So we needed to introduce the Yamanaka factors and epigenetics again because this study relies on some of those uh, Yamanaka factors to reprogram eye cells and reverse glaucoma in mice. So without further ado, let's get to the study. One big overarching point of the paper that will come as no surprise is that as we age, we do not regenerate cells as quickly. We can see this practically by it being harder for older people to recover from broken bones and even just a cold. It's true, Emma. I just celebrated my 28th birthday and hence am edging closer and closer to 30 and I already feel things slowing down. <laughs> I took a nap no. yesterday. Who am I? <laughs> And our listeners who are over 30 are like, oh my gosh, Rachel. (laughs) I know, I know. I'm being dramatic. (laughs) The paper's main focus is to see if they can help the central nervous system to regenerate retinal ganglion cells, or RGCs, as we'll call them. These RGCs connect the retina to the optic nerve and are quick to degrade in cases of glaucoma. In early development, RGCs can regenerate, but over time, the this ability is lost, and this is thought to be due to changing epigenetic landscapes. To investigate this question, the scientists injected three out of the four Yamanaka factors into the eyes of mice that had their optic nerves injured. Their hope was that these factors could help the axons repair in the eyes of these mice. Why didn't they use the fourth Yamanaka factor? The fourth factor is called MYC, and in mice, this factor is an oncogene, meaning that it can cause cancer. So to avoid having a confounding variable of cancer, they opted to just focus on the three other Yamanaka factors. Yes, this makes sense. Those poor mice do not need cancer on their plate on top of eye injury. (laughs) Anyways, they found that in both young and old mice with injured optic nerves, that this cocktail of three Yamanaka factors worked to increase axon regeneration. And this is astounding. Like I said, I've been reading a lot of papers about this type of injury model. And if you don't intervene, the neurons are almost dead within a few weeks. They just don't grow back on their own because mature neurons just seem to lose this ability. So axon regeneration is kind of the holy grail of this type of research, not just in optic nerve injury, but any kind of neuron injury. If you think about spinal cord injuries that, that leave people paralyzed or traumatic brain injury, um, this paper didn't go into those kinds of injuries, but you can just imagine the implications. Because as we age, and I get, I think this is the case, but you correct me if I'm wrong, we mm. we have like a set amount of neurons and we're never going to get more neurons. So it's not like heart cells where we'll still have heart cells being produced or muscle cells. For the most case, that's true. We have found um, like small populations of uh, neural stem cells in the brain. I don't know about the spinal cord, uh, but I know like the brain has a population of neural stem cells. But you're right. I mean, it's not to the same level that it was in during development obviously and I'm not sure I haven't looked into what happens to those stem cells 
as we age, they might kind of lose the ability to generate new neurons. This paper brought up the idea of DNA methylation age, which they state is a way you can represent someone's biological age and is also a good predictor of future health. Methylation is a form of epigenetics that happens to DNA, and normally methylation works by turning off a gene. Early in development, many genes are turned on and there is much less methylation. But as we develop, more and more methylation happens at a predictable rate, which means that scientists can model this and then come up with the idea of DNA methylation age. By looking at different sites in the mouse genome, scientists could determine the methylation age of these mice who are receiving the Yamanaka factors versus the ones who are not receiving factors. And what they found was that mice without the factors who had the optic nerve injured had more DNA methylation than the mice who were given those factors and had the same injury. This indicated that these factors were affecting DNA methylation. Since the scientists saw these three Yamanaka factors help induce axon regeneration in older mice, they were curious if these factors would help mice that had similar symptoms to human glaucoma patients. As we mentioned earlier, glaucoma affects the retinal ganglion cells, or the RGCs, And that was exactly what scientists showed earlier in the paper, that they could reprogram RGCs in the adult mice. So to test to see if they could use this technology to reverse the glaucoma symptoms, they used a mouse model of glaucoma. This model involves increasing the pressure in the eye of these mice for four weeks. After applying this pressure, the scientists then measured the level or the amount of RGCs in the glaucoma mouse model and saw that it decreased dramatically compared to mice that had normal eye pressure. So the glaucoma mouse model also had vision impairments, obviously, because they're losing all of these RGCs. They then treated mice with the three Yamanaka factors, and they saw that the RGCs returned to baseline levels. Not only that, but they saw some of the vision loss in mice become better as well so that they could see. The scientists made the point that this was the first example of vision loss reversal after a glaucoma-like injury that has occurred. So this is extremely exciting. Not only did they find that they could reverse some glaucoma symptoms in these mice, but they also investigated if the three Yamanaka factors could reverse normal aging in mouse eyes. And and to do this, they took mice that were 11 months old, which if you compare that to human age, because we know mice don't live as long as humans, that's kind of equivalent to human age of of about 38 to 47 years. And they treated these middle-aged mice with the three Yamanaka factors for one month. They saw that these mice could see better and had more RGCs, which are crucial for sight. And they also determined that the mice treated with the factors had less DNA methylation, meaning that these old mouse eyes looked more like young mouse eyes when examining epigenetics. This is huge because it's providing evidence that epigenetics is important and involved in the aging of the eye, and that these three Yamanaka factors can reprogram the eye to look young again. This whole story is fascinating. We're definitely a long way uh, from this being approved for human patients, but all great treatments must begin in animal models. We do know that some genetic treatments, specifically a CRISPR treatment, have been developed to be used to treat certain types of blindness. So hopefully this means that more will be done to investigate um, this technique regarding potential treatments. We do hope so, because blindness is an absolute tragedy, and it would be great to be able to reverse the effects of glaucoma in people. And this study is exciting because it cements epigenetics as a crucial part of eye development. And we love epigenetics. 